Okay, so can you start by introducing yourself and maybe talking about the first game that you remember playing? Um, I'm Jonathan Bedard, User Experience Director at Ubisoft uh, Quebec, um, and I've been working for uh, industry for 15 years. Um, so the first game I remember playing back in the day was uh, Adventure on the uh, Atari platform. A uh, very interesting game because for those that know it, uh, that knows it is uh, is a very minimalist, of course, graphic uh, approach, and there were dragons and epic combats of uh, you know proportion untold before uh, for me, but it was all in my head. So that was quite interesting for me to uh, to take contact with your games that way it was you know plugging directly into my imagination. Um, that was that was great for me. It really got me excited about video games. Another souvenir, another souvenir I have is uh, Dragon Warrior, uh, the first one on the Nintendo platform, the first Nintendo. Um, it was also another game with epic, uh, you know, epic content. You know, a warrior with, you know, looking for the legendary pieces of armor and everything. But it was in English, and I was learning English at the same time with the dictionary right by my side. And uh, you know, for those that know that game, it was very old English with uh, "thou shalt not" and uh, <laughs> that kind of language. And I learned a bit uh, the hard way afterwards. That's not proper English nowadays. So, uh, yeah, like strong memories for me. Yeah, that's that's so funny. Like uh, I can imagine like a, a a child you walking around speaking in old English, <laughs> thinking that everyone should <laughs> should speak like this. Or that's so funny. Yep. And and with regards to the pixels, like it's funny how that works, right? Like in in games like that, like adventure, is like you the abstraction almost of, of the graphics makes your mind fill in imagine things or, or make it more like it's almost like if you remember it now you would remember the remaster of the game which is really weird your memory remasters it it's uh, a yeah, strange it's quite interesting also because it speaks to this uh, duality between realism and imagination and the increasing fidelity now in, in today's game where you know graphics are hitting photorealism uh, photorealistic targets mm. and this is sometimes to the benefit of the player of course but also to the detriment of using your own imagination there's something there a little bit plugging into that dungeon and dragon mm. Uh, mm. angle sometimes where you you, you kind of create your own vision uh, that was quite interesting for me as at actually as I started making games later also and to, to to see that duality you know it's also like a lot of people always like when they read the book of a movie before they see the movie yeah. they 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 hate the movie because their imagination is so much more powerful or has so much more detail or fidelity than a movie can have and it's yeah, uh, it's interesting it's an interesting uh, thing that that is also like that with games like old games that's funny. I never yep. thought of it that way. So, and how, so how was your childhood like in, in Quebec or where you grew up? So, yeah, I grew up in Quebec City. Um, so I did not move uh, at all during my, uh, my youth. Um, so I grew up uh, with, you know, uh, with my mom a bit on the poorest, uh, poorer side of things. So I was not having easy access to video games. Mm -hmm. All my friends had all those consoles before I, so I grew a bit, uh, jealous of uh, mm -hmm. everybody else is having all those latest uh, everything uh, games and platforms and everything um i remember when i got my my super nintendo uh, everybody had their their own for like years but for me it was the newest thing uh and i remember having rented uh, zelda at the time breath of the wild 
uh, that's Roberto of the Link to the Past, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, feel old now. Mm-hmm. Um, but playing that game was such a crazy moment in my life because it was mine. It was my first console, mm-hmm. not playing at my cousins or my friends, but you know, my place. Uh, and this game is still like, that's another game that burned in my memory now because of that. It was so memorable. Uh, for that, for those reasons, I still replay but, it. Like I think once every two years or so, I play, I play uh, uh, Link to the Past again, and it's. Uh, yes. I recently played it on Switch. It it released on the the uh, virtual thing, the, the online uh, Nintendo yeah. online console, and I played it through again. It's uh, yeah, such a good game. And interestingly, the... I I just did replay it too with my younger son. Oh uh, wow, cool. And and because I have a Nintendo, a Super Nintendo Mini, mm. uh, oh, that yeah, they release, yeah, yeah. and 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 it's it's right it's right up there. And uh, I wanted to play it and introduce my son to it, mm. and he was crazy impressed. Even though the graphic obviously is dating, the pixel art, but mm. it was so well done. And and it speaks to the previous point we're discussing. The imagination part was still there. You could imagine what you know Link was looking like, and mm. all those effects and attacks and monsters and all. And I saw his eyes open with magic, just as mine did. Oh wow. Uh, a life ago, it seems. Uh, but yeah, so it opened up the door where I played with him the newest one on the Switch, the Link's Awakening Remastered mm-hmm. did it. And it's a, a bit more on the on the kid side, mm-hmm. kid-friendly a bit more, mm-hmm. uh, even. So uh, that was such a nice moment mm-hmm. uh, cool. yeah, to, I to can't introduce wait. my son. I can't wait for my kid to be big enough that I can do that stuff. Yeah. Like he's three and a half now. But soon. Yeah, soon, soon. A couple of years <laughs> and then I'll be uh, playing everything. Uh, yeah, not everything. I'm, I'm, I'm holding myself sometimes because uh, I'm, I'm thinking about some games I played. I, oh, yeah, I want to play that with him. But I'm like, oh, yeah, well, mm, I can be not careful. Yet, not yet. <laughs> yeah, I was playing things I should not have been playing when I was younger. Yeah, didn't but that, break me. That was like the did, 80s, but... wasn't it? Or the 70s. Like, oh, yeah, who, yeah. Who gave a shit? Everyone was like <laughs> playing everything. Yeah, so <laughs> mostly 80s. And, and yeah, my, my parent was happy. Yeah, the console, so I was playing things and renting games, but uh, mm. yeah, cool. Yeah, it's a. I also remember getting Mortal Kombat like on the SNES, the first uh, Mortal Kombat, and it was like yeah. I had to send my dad to buy it for me because I, I couldn't buy it myself. <laughs> crazy uh, story, but cool. And so, so, and in your childhood, like, what did you study? Did you study anything with that that led into your game career or? No, it's it's an interesting question because uh, we might discuss that later. But I, I ended up teaching in college mm. uh, game design. But uh, when I went to college back in my day, uh, I went to uh, in English. I don't know how you say that. Science, uh, man, human science. Oh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Like I went into more like psychology. I wanted to study, uh, you know, the human mind and how it worked and all. Um, and yeah, didn't that actually not directly tie into games uh it did actually and directly later mm. um with my current job and it ties into what i was my interest back then but you know i wish i could have done that for me at the time games were like unreachable that mm. was this uh, mystical profession that only a handful of people uh could do and probably because they knew people and yeah they yeah. were unique and they were the chosen ones um and I was actually surprised later on when opportunities came for me to to do just that. And I was like, oh my God, this is actually concrete. This is possible. Uh, and, 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 but yeah, the day I was like, this is not something I could hook into. That's one of my mission today to, and not, not like primary mission, but every time, every chance I get, 
to like direct people to the proper channel like it's not impossible there's a way for you mm. to get there it's it's not easy though it's pretty hard and harder and harder over time because there's more and more people but it's still possible uh, yeah and that's know, back in the day for me it was an, an impossible dream and that's actually why this podcast exists because i i want to show people yes. that they like people fall into this industry from all directions and the craziest ways and uh, from the interviews that i've had i've, I've heard the the, the oddest stories like people that have are animators that start doing ui or, or whatever like a different oh, yeah. paths in and um yeah definitely and and in my time it was also like for people to make games you had to be a programmer or like a, yeah. or a, mostly a programmer or and because game designers didn't exist you know it was always the the programmer that designed the yes. game or something and and then later it was uh, 3D, uh, you know, you, you have to be a modeler or an artist or something to get in. And uh, yeah, it's uh, different times. <laughs> well, the way we make games nowadays make it possible, uh, I, I think, more more possible to aspire to, to get into dev. Mm. Because like you're saying, back then, a lifetime ago, uh, people were doing three, four different things, you know, yeah. designing and coding mm. and you needed to have all those bow, those strings to your uh, to your bow. Mm, mm. I don't know if that translates well, but uh, <laughs> you need to does. have all those skills. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, today you can be more a bit more specialized, specialized or merging skills together depending on what you do and for who you you work or what context. Mm. So, so and your and your first job in game. So, so you've been at Ubisoft your your whole career, I guess. And how did you get started, or what was your uh, way in? So sadly, I was right because I, I got into this because I knew someone, uh, but it's not because I knew someone that I got accepted. It's mostly about knowing about the, the opportunities. Mm. Uh, Ubisoft got into uh, Quebec City uh, in 2000, uh, 2005, uh, and they opened like a smaller studio at the start um, with, uh, with specific division doing certain things. Uh, and I, I learned about this uh, opportunity. They were looking for QA uh, analysts you know, in, in QA. And um, for me, I was like, okay, so I, I, I felt the pull. Um, the impossible dream felt a bit more real. Mm. I had a good job at the time. Um, you know, that was uh, what I thought was you know, well-paying, but that no feature um, at the time. So I said, you know, uh, let's do this. Let's take, let's take the, the jump, uh, leap of faith and all. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I did jump both feet uh, and, into this. And I remember my interview, uh, and I know it, it kind of uh, left a mark on my uh, manager at the time. She asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, I want to do this QA job because it's important, because it's a job that's very um, important in games, I, I assume. Mm-hmm. And I want to learn everything from it because I want to be a game designer and I'll be a game designer in six months. Oh, wow. And she started to laugh. Um, <laughs> And she, she said, like, ah, yeah, you're a bit ambitious, aren't you? I said, yeah, but that's what I want to do, so I'll prove and uh, I'll show you. And I failed. It took me eight <laughs> months. It took me eight months, but I think I still think it's not such a big failure. Uh, I was able to get into that role and, and, and learn a lot from my peers, and, uh, yeah, I went from there. Mm. But uh, I want to really emphasis that either you want to get a foothold into the industry or just make it a, a career, uh, a career, uh, QA is an awesome job mm. that is very often underrepresented, mm. undervalued, uh, and uh, yeah, the, those guys are heroes in the dark. Mm. Um, they know the game better than game designers often, mm. 
and their uh, tremendous assets. So uh, shout out to all the QA people that might be listening to this mm. uh, and those that want to go into that career because it's a very valid path mm. to go from there or just to stay there and evolve in that role. We need QA people that are uh, career QA people, you know, that they get they grow into this, become expert and lead and manager in that track. Um, yeah, I couldn't. Uh, That's yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's also the QA people. They need to know everything about the game, not just design. They need to know how the audio systems work. They need to know how the yeah. UI works. They need to be almost proficient with everything. And it's, I think it's at the same time. Yeah, and I think getting started as as a QA person, you, uh, it's it's the perfect uh, foundation for a game career because you 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 interact yep. with all the different fields as well all the people so you know their mindsets and you know where they come from and you know uh how they think about their problems and exactly. and i think using that as a foundation to, to do anything within games is great because you will then later not just if you stay in qa which is great too but if you do, uh, do something else in in in, in games you you still know how all the other people approach their problems. And that's uh, super valuable, I feel, uh, that, definitely. Yeah, that's true. And not only on the discipline side, but also in terms of production, mm. um, you learn a lot of things. And to be honest, I think that was invaluable to me as a springboard to whatever I was to do next. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. And so I what agree. did you do next? <laughs> ah, well, yeah. So uh, eight months later, I was given an opportunity to go on to uh, a project. Um, so at the time, I was working at Ubisoft Quebec, but there was a division called Longtail Studios, uh, which was dedicated to making specific type of games for uh, mobile phones. Mm. Uh, but when I say mobile phones, forget the conception that you have, especially the younger audience out there. Mm -hmm. It's not a touchscreen. It's, it's a small screen, you know, the older flip phone. Um, so making games with very hard constraints um, on, on mobile phone that were varying in terms of screen size, that was impossible. Uh, and again, for me, um, I, look, I, look, I look to challenge uh, as opportunities to learn. Um, you know, that's the best way to grow is when you face uh, you know, adversities. And this was a big level of just that, a big cup of adversity in, in my face mm -hmm. uh, at the time. Um, needed to make a game that fits into a 96 pixel by 96 pixel, but also into a 128 by 96 pixel or 128 by 128 and so on and so forth. It was so varied. Every carrier had their own, uh, what we call today TRCs, you know, mm. every everyone had their own little constraints. Respect was completely insane. And all this inside a very limited amount of scope in terms of data. Memory, uh, yeah, no memory. Yeah. I remember one of my uh, fondest, but still painful memory was that uh, one of the first game I made, um, I had a 96 kilo, uh, like kilobytes, uh, mm. like 96K budget to make the game. So you can imagine already that's it's very small. So it was it's like a tweet. nothing today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this podcast is probably <laughs> going to take like three billion times that. But uh, yeah, that was interesting because I had to be very creative. So that's that's what I mean by challenges usually bring you uh, learnings that mm. you can capitalize on and, and make uh, most of it. And I remember having to be very creative outside of what can be considered typical game design. I was I was looking into like how can I save space 
to get more dialogue in the game. You know, mm. dialogue, it's very small, right? So I remember, I think it was 2K. I needed to find 2K out there. Mm. So <laughs> my solution and my producer was really uh, impressed. And it's funny because in hindsight, it's like, it's so not impressive. But <laughs> I, I remember I, we had a circle in the game, a big yellow circle. So I proposed to cut that circle into a one quarter of a circle. That in code, which costs less than the actual texture itself, was to flip the 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 the, <laughs> uh, the quarter circle twice, and you now to create a circle at runtime, and uh, performance allowed it. So we saved enough to crew to cram our our dialogue in and complete the vision of the game at the time. And that was one of my first success, and I was feeling so proud. Looking at it again, I'm like, my God, that's nothing compared to the. But again, it's not nothing in in proportion. You need to respect the challenge and the every challenge and every opportunity you have to surpass yourself but in a small I and guess big thing. It's also like in a, in if you look at that that anecdote or that situation, it is the same like we're doing now, but it's just at a oh, bigger yeah. scale. Like it's the same type of wrangling that we do, where where the technical director will fire you an email. It's like we need to save yeah we need to save so many megabytes or or we need to get the disk size down to this blah 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 or whatever and it still <laughs> happens now but just with different numbers for me it all boils down to what is a, a designer not even a game designer but a designer itself you know maybe level design ux design interior design industrial design name it mm. it's all boils down to be a problem solver inside mm. this like a, as precise a set of constraints you can get. Yeah. And that's how you do your job. It's problem solving inside of that realm. And uh, I, I, that's one of the things I try to, to teach uh, very early to every student I, I have a mm. chance or people I mentor is that, you know, finding ideas is not your job. Mm. And that's where ego really usually start to, to let go because there's a huge pressure of younger on younger designers, again, any type, to prove themselves by being the one that brings mm -hmm. the best ideas. Mm -hmm. But that's not the job. And, and as soon as this is understood, the better your life will be. Your job is to solve problem mm -hmm. uh, by using ideas as a primary mat material, like to solve those problems. And anyone can have you know, ideas. My mom can have ideas. Uh, <laughs> my son, no, but jokes aside, my little girl, I don't remember what it was, though it's sad because that could have been a very savory uh, anecdote here, but she mentioned something a few years ago, a stupid thing for her, but for me it was, oh my God, that makes me think about something yeah, else. Solves that's, the that's, the, that's the idea here is that you need to work and get ideas from any source that you can get them from. So that could be, again, your, your, your kids, your mom, um, anything. Um, and, it's, and that's that's where you get the ideas. It's also like uh, the idea is, is nothing without execution. And and a lot of exactly. a lot of designers are like, oh, the idea it's so important and it's this and it's that, but it's it's not because it you can have one idea executed in two totally different ways, and one of them can exactly. be good and one of them can be bad. And and uh, like a, a colleague of mine called Matt, when when we talk about designs, he, he design, he always says. It's art with a purpose. And I, I found that a very yeah. like a simple way of explaining what design is. Like you, yeah, there's an art aspect to it and, and expressing yourself, but that's not the, the importance of it, but it, it has to fulfill a purpose. And, and that's kind of, if you're able to constrain your art to fulfill purpose, then that's when, what makes you a designer, I guess. 
I agree with that and I will bring to you another perspective in the mm. same angle is also the difference between imagination and creativity. Mm. Imagination is boundless streams of ideas. There's no limits and it's cool because of that, but it's also uncool because of that because imagination is not everything. You need to be creative afterwards with that imagination. Again, ideas, but you need to be creative and then execution is everything mm -hmm. and it's uh and it, it doesn't even mean that there's bad and good execution they just mean that there's different execution mm -hmm. and you can take a very uh, like a, the same ideas in two wildly differently successful uh direction mm -hmm. so there's a sense of uh, humility there that you need to get very early in your career i think to be opening your eyes and your mind to this and and encourage everyone to contribute to your ideas mm -hmm. and stop the ego uh Uh, political game or whatever um, mm -hmm. and I still see this every day of course in the junior ones but I make it a mission to uh, to, to uh, keep hammering on that nail yeah. because I think it's uh, helping tremendously I think it's also it's it's what separate but it's a very normal thing like I think uh, what what I what I see in a lot of juniors like they they have a lot of drive and they have a lot of uh, uh, energy. energy like you said like a fire in them that that I lost many years ago <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they also have like uh, the the they they they're unbounded you know like we we are are kind of we fit in a box and we try to make everything fit our production usually juniors are like a bit out of that and they're also like you said like they have this this uh, ego side of them Uh, and uh, to me, I see when I see people really become seniors, that's to me a sign is to that is when they let go of that. So when I when yeah. I see that people become less uh, attached or don't see that their uh, contribution is an extension of themselves, but more as like it's it's something that they contribute to the project and it's not me, it's it's my work. When I see the people when when i see people see that difference that's when i see like oh okay they're becoming senior they they now see uh, that that it's it's not damaging to them if their idea or their uh, uh create create creation uh gets cut or whatever uh, yeah hmm. and i think to build on that more importantly it's not a detrimental it's not detrimental to them if other have success yes exactly. their ideas yes yes because there's also a competitive approach to this mm. i see it in class as well mm -hmm. they all want to shine more than the other mm -hmm. but the best senior out there is the one that makes everyone shines around him yeah and that's what we want to contribute in terms of dynamic is to yeah to get people around you shine more yeah. and evolve especially and in leads position you actually should manage people better than you mm. <laughs> often And it's okay. You need to accept that, and sometimes encourage it even. Yeah. So uh, and it's uh, humility in my students, like the students that I have. I I also I usually um, give people props when they work well together. So so in the teams, yeah. oh yeah, in the teams, because usually I split up my class into teams of two uh, when they work on projects, and the the team that worked together the best, even if their their result wasn't great. I give them props in front of everyone. I'm like, you guys had the yeah. best teamwork out of everyone. Yeah. And and I, and I make good. a point of that. Like, guys, you should work like these people. Uh, that's how you are expected to work when uh, we all work for studios. Uh, and that's kind of a, a thing that I try to do, definitely. 
But yeah, the, the, it might sound cheesy, but I think the journey is just as important mm. as the destination very often because uh, the way you do games uh, or anything really mm. uh, define how, how, like, who you are and how people want to work with you again yes. afterwards, you know? So uh, and... it's something important. I, and I keep saying that also to students, like, we won't hire you if you're the best in Photoshop or if you're the best in anything, actually, mm. if you're not a team player, if you don't have you know, a good soft skill approach mm -hmm. uh, and you can work well with others and, and things like that. And we'll do the inverse, you know, you're a very strong team player. Uh, we see you, your effect on others. You still, you know, you can learn. Mm. You can learn Photoshop yeah. or anything afterwards. You'll be seated with the best of them. Yes, the skills you know? will, can you, come, definitely. Yeah, yeah, but you cannot learn to be a team player mm. as easily or at all sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I keep telling students and everyone out there listening, um, you know, keep that in mind as you want to make your a place for yourself out there in the industries. Yeah. The way you do it is almost more important than your result. Yeah. And what people will say of you will shine 10,000 times more than sometimes your uh, portfolio pieces. Yes, I 100% agree. Um, uh, yeah. And so, so from from uh the quarter circle so how did you <laughs> <laughs> that's where we left off <laughs> yes so yeah taking it back from the quarter circle which was very memorable um afterwards um i i joined like basically i joined a, a team called uh, the concept team at the time it was a multidisciplinary sorry multidisciplinary team of uh, of people investigating different um, different concepts uh, that was very interesting very uh, r&d like very mm -hmm. uh, preconception type of mood you know mm -hmm. uh, digging uh, left and right different things so we explored a few concepts that i obviously cannot mm -hmm. get into details now but uh, that was cool that was a change of pace uh, to really get into more like a creative without that as much of a of a target in terms of uh, you know, business or mm -hmm. production. Um, did that for a while. It was interesting, but uh, eventually I felt that I wanted to try different things. Mm. And um, I always had this strong side of me, a bit OCD. I tried to harness that uh, mental uh, side of myself where I know I really uh, am obsessed sometimes with order and, you know, discipline. Things need to be organized. And um, it shows in my work, I think, in the way I work uh, often in, into coordination, you know, like making people aware and make sure that things uh, move fluidly and all. I said, you know, that sounds like a producer type of job. Mm -hmm. I should try that out. And uh, there was an opening uh, as a production manager um, back in the, in the day. So I said, you know what, let's try this. Another leap of faith. The last one was uh, served me good. Let's try again. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, things are not looking the same or not uh, happening the same way. Um, I did that for, uh, I think, eight months, maybe eight, nine months. Um, and uh, the project was awesome. It was Mind mm. & Magic, uh, Duel of Champion. Um, oh, the cool. game is uh, sadly not out there anymore, but it was a live uh, collection uh, card game. Uh, you know, a bit was like it the a web game? or what was it? Yeah, it was web-based. Um, and we unrolled it on some platforms, or at least we wanted to. I don't remember if we actually mm -hmm. did. It was PC and... Um, yeah, it's blurry. Yeah, I'm sorry, okay. <laughs> but it was awesome, awesome game, um, and I enjoyed it a lot. But the role I had was so different. Um, you know, I missed very, very quickly the hands-on on mm -hmm. creative side of things. I believe you can be creative as a programmer, you can be creative as a production manager, mm -hmm. uh, even as, as QA. You can have some pretty creative way of testing games. 
but uh, it, it did not resonate with me as as it did with others that really enjoy that. And I really felt like a flower, uh, you know, wilting, lacking sun. <laughs> yeah, wilting. Thank you. I was missing the word. Um, missing sun and water and everything. And uh, I remember another very, uh, very memorable moment, uh, memories. Um, I called my producer into a meeting and I, I was I was to tell him, you know, I'm not sure I like this anymore. I'm not sure I'm the best fit and I don't feel I'm as good as I could be somewhere else or as someone else could be in my job. So <laughs> it's funny because I was feeling bad. I felt like I was letting him down, you know, and, um, you know, it was a hard discussion to start. And, uh, you know, I explained this and uh, he laughed. I said, wow, that was not the reaction I expected. I said, what do you laugh? He said, well, it's because uh, I wanted to talk to you too, because um, I felt that you might not be as comfortable as you thought you would be. So I was like, oh, oh, that's cool. <laughs> and uh, it's funny because he actually brought up some some proposal where he, he had an opportunity to replace me with someone else that was uh, available internally, mm-hmm. uh, like, a, like a PM of profession you know so yeah. there was a it was it was a good good for him obviously but also there was an opening uh, at the time on uh, game design uh, to go back into that track on uh, on ac3 uh, on the dlc um so i saw that as a huge opportunity to you know to do two things back into my first loves on game design or second love i guess mm-hmm. uh, with qa and and then also get into a very awesome franchise yeah, which uh, so allowed cool. me to to to, to dig into like uh, more bigger games uh, than what I did before. And that was the so, first uh, one with a ship, right? AC3 was the first one with boats. Yes. Yeah, that was yes, so cool. Yes, exactly. That was the first uh, implementation of the ship that was obviously expanded into uh, Black Flag mm-hmm. uh, in major ways, uh, uh, you know, as a progression uh, angle as well as other things. But mm. uh, I worked on the DLC, which was uh, also a very interesting twist for the franchise in itself, which, which was uh, we created in the DLC a, a what-if scenario where we take history and warped it because uh, of, uh, of the first civilization artifact that we used which was the Apple of Eden, mm-hmm. uh, George Washington became king of the United States with t- tremendous ramification to how things uh, panned out afterwards. And it was a three-part DLC as well, where we explored uh, cities from uh, AC3, but in different um, different angles. Mm. It was so cool to go there because um, we were able to explore very drastically, very drastically different concepts uh, with a bit more... Um, magic approach to them with uh, Connor, which was the protagonist of AC3, that never became really an assassin. Mm. was still called Ratonakedon, which was his uh, Native American oh, that's so uh, cool. name. And explore like more his root as Native American and also shamanistic powers and different things, which were uh, you know very interesting gameplay-wise, but also conceptually, mm. you know, to explore those themes was... Uh, was was pretty cool. So I really enjoyed that project. I worked with uh, another game designer. We were only two of us, so it was a smaller project, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting because as a two-man uh, team, we were able to um, really explore all aspects of the game design of that project, which allowed me to explore things that was not uh, as familiar uh, as others. Mm-hmm. So you know, progression and cheesies and different aspects of game design. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was really key for me to ex- expand my horizon. Uh, for this project yeah i I think uh, that's so cool about like uh, big triple a productions like they create cities and 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 land masses and and all these amazing things but usually they're only approached from one angle and what i love about things like dlcs is that people like small teams get to look at the output of the main team and then 
try to just use all the the, yes. the, 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 the the facets and the tools there to, to make to tell a different story and usually uh, really nice things come out of that like uh, I, I also loved for instance the the Bioshock uh, was it the Bioshock 2 DLCs like uh, Minerva's Den and stuff where people just use the tool set that they have to create a different story that that's mm. kind of uh, has its own progression system and stuff that's really nice usually yeah, well, that takes me to my next project, mm. actually. Uh, you like this because it's directly tapping into this feeling. Is uh, After this project, I was uh, lucky enough to be assigned, and because I wanted to, obviously, but uh, to work on uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, mm. oh, but the wow. DLC, cool. the DLC again. So we did the, the DLC called Freedom Cry, mm. um, and, and this to, it is to this day, one of my favorite projects up, up there um, because it was, again, exactly as you explained. Mm. We looked at Black Flag, which was an awesome game mm -hmm. at the time for multiple reasons. Uh, Amazing. Uh, and we were, able to, we were able to take it and make a twist out of it. So what we did, we took, uh, you know, uh, Edward's first mate at the Wally mm -hmm. that we save and, and, and recruit in, in the main game. And we took him a bit later as he was an assassin now. Mm. And... Um, we, 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 we took him right in the middle of a mission in Port-au-Prince uh, at the time and right in the middle of uh, one of the darkest period of, you know, the story of that country and slavery was mm. full swing. And we really went heads on into this and explored it and really ex surfaced uh, a lot of things that were uncomfortable mm. and tried to really approach it in a respectful manner because mm. it's a delicate topic um, in multiple ways. And uh, we really deployed a lot of effort to make sure we were doing it mm. properly. Uh, and I think we did. We had good response from a lot of different angles on that. Mm. But uh, it was so cool to go there and explore a different locale, a different mechanics. Again, using all the strength of uh, uh, of Black Flag, which is like the ship. And we had mm. a smaller part of the sea there with uh, yeah, content both on land and sea with a twist on the gameplay and design in general. Yeah, that's so, so cool. That must have really been so fun that. because Black Flag to me was like, uh, again, to, to touch back on what we talked about in the beginning, which is pirates, Sid Meier's pirates. Like to me, Black Flag was almost like if you take Sid Meier's pirates into modern day, like uh, now you can actually play that. You can be like in, in 3D yeah. space. And that was so uh, uh, lovely to me because I, I spent so many hours on, on Sid Meier's pirates as a kid. And, uh, I'm there with you, yeah, man. <laughs> and, and so, so when I saw Black Flag, I was like, you know, just like almost I think everybody else in the world was like, why isn't this just a pirate game? I just want to play a pirate <laughs> game. And it's, <laughs> like, can we yeah. just remove the Assassin's Creed stuff and just play pirates? <laughs> like, <laughs> but it was so great. I, I love the marriage between uh, Assassin's Creed and 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 that uh, history. Of course, it was really w well done. Um, mm. Loved it. Definitely. And and it was also the first time when the ship mechanics really started to shine from from AC3 and, and they, oh, yeah, they, they got sure. their uh, place in the game really well. And it was was really yeah. nice to see. The team in Montreal really, uh, really, uh, I, uh, sorry, really raised the bar on this. Mm. Um, did a tremendous job. I agree. Yeah. And I was just I found myself just uh, taking the boat around like <laughs> for hours yeah, like yeah. so amazing uh cool yeah, it was beautiful and so so ac3 into dlc of ac4 and yep. uh 
yeah, so what was next? So there's two things that happened afterwards. Uh, Ubisoft Quebec gained the trust of the of the group at the time, I assume, because we were able to take uh, leadership on a first ship, uh, like first main game mm. uh, from the, from the Quebec studio, which was Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Uh, and also, I started to teach uh, in game design um, in college, something that. You know, was uh, burning inside me. Uh, I was always having this bit of a mentor uh, fiber to myself, mm. to trying to help people a bit like you, I believe. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then I, I made that concrete because there's a local college that was looking for uh, new teachers. So I, I, again, leap of faith. This one worked much better than the last one. <laughs> and uh, I did that for about six years. Uh, teaching is awesome when you like it. Obviously, some mm. people don't really like that. But when you're up for it and the, the, the cost he has, because you know, if you do it well, it, it's not free, right? Mm. You need to, to spend time, uh, more time than uh, you can think at first. Uh, more time you uh, can, than you but, get paid for as well, usually. Oh, uh, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you don't do that for the money. No, uh, certainly exactly. not for the money. Yeah. Um, it's for what comes afterwards, you know, uh, getting, get, seeing those students evolve, graduate, obviously, mm -hmm. and then evolve in the industry. And, and, and especially if you can see them in uh, other uh, company around you, mm -hmm. it's crazy to see them learn and, 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 and grow. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's why I do this. Uh, I did this. I don't do that anymore. It, uh, I miss this, but uh, it was a hard choice for me. Um, I, I realized I had my day job, which was growing more and more complex and important uh, for me to, to do well. And then uh, teaching on the evenings and, as you know, mm. <laughs> a lot of other times around the week because I had so much work. Yeah, and then people reaching family. out, uh, like students reaching oh, yeah. out for help here and there. And, Correction, yeah. Yeah. planning, you know, there's a lot of work there if you do it nicely, at least a bit nicely. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm OCD a bit, mm -hmm. I told you before, mm -hmm. so I went overboard on that too. So uh, that <laughs> took a lot of time. Uh, so yeah, I, I ended up having my day job, having my uh, college job, and then having a family. Mm. I had two kids at some point uh, in, in my teaching career, mm. and I realized at some point I was not making ends meet uh, in terms of time. Yes. And I had, uh, I started to to um, things start to suffer. Affass, yeah, yeah, to affass some part of that, and um, and, and I realized it was my family. So I said, yeah, that doesn't work. No. And I was not able to go and be sloppy on my day job or my college job. Mm -hmm. So I had to make hard choices. And I think it's important to not overrun yourself too much because uh, life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I had to give that up. But uh, I'm still proud of what I did. And, and I'm happy to see today, uh, even in my own studio, so many ex-students that grew into a lot of different roles. Uh, some of them in QAs and design and game direction roles, uh, and I work with them daily now, and I'm I'm happy to see that it's mm. rewarding. Uh, I also think teaching, uh, uh, like you, or personally, what what happens to me when I teach, I understand my work better because oh yeah, because you so you, that's a good one. Yeah, you have to explain <laughs> to people uh, how to yeah. do stuff, so you have to perceive it in a way. Or you have to understand it in a in a simpler way to be able to explain it to people that don't know it, and it's and that makes it easier for you to understand your own work as well. Um, yeah, that's true. And one of the first thing I was teaching in the, my classes was that there's a, and it ties directly into this was like the different ways to learn. Mm. 
and uh, teaching methods, right? Mm. And uh, up, up there as the least effective or among the least effective ways to learn and to teach is to go like uh, in French, we say magistral, like I, I give content to you and mm. you passively listen, you know? Mm -hmm. This is like very bad because you're not interacting, you're not involved. And then you go from like a, like interacting, interaction, visual, and you go all the, all the way to the last and best way of learn, which is teach. Because <laughs> like you said, it forces yourself to structure your thought in mm. a way, in a logical way, in a structured way that's logical to learn. And it puts you your, your thought into perspective. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually, I agree. It's a very good point where I think I got better yeah, at my of course. own game. Yeah, that doesn't surprise by me. By doing this. Yeah. Cool. True. And yeah, I mean, it's sad to, that you had to give that up, but I, I get it. Like, it's um, you, you can't uh, spread yourself too thin. Um, totally get that. Yeah. And Might get back to it later. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, but then, yeah, so, so work on Syndicate, main, uh, first main game. This is an interesting one because uh, it was different from the last two projects where it was two-man army uh, mm. on game design. Now it was like an army on game design because <laughs> AAA games on that level of complexity uh, require specialization, right? Mm. In all sphere, all disciplines. So you have programmers specialized in 3D and other mm. in engine. And as you know, and the designer is the same. You try to assign certain topics to certain people so they become more expert and mm. are able to drive you know, those topics uh, much farther and much faster. And um, I took one topic at the time, which was something people were not uh, as interested in general was UI, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we call that presentation team in Mont uh, in Quebec and, and in Ubisoft in general, in, in some projects, which includes menu, UI uh, in general, HUD, uh, and a bit of uh, the interaction design in some ways. And uh, I found that that quite interesting for me. It was not uh, like uh, I take it because no one else wanted, but it was like genuinely interested because I, it touches on one of my initial interests, which was like human mind mm. and psychology. And I thought that it was a good place there to uh, to explore that. And um, yeah, I did just that. Uh, my lead was especially pleased to see somebody interested into doing this and driving this home. One and, of uh, us, one of us, one of yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> it's good. And, and it's funny because the it, everybody was happy because the UI team at the time was not used to having a game designer mm -hmm. dedicated to them to make the, the, the liaison stronger mm -hmm. between them and everyone else to get out a bit of that execution mode, mm -hmm. uh, client service kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, which was not exactly the case, but still it's easier to have somebody that uh, digests a bit and make mm -hmm. sure everything is gelled together better. And uh, that made me grew a lot more into that field uh, up to discovering a bit more what we know now is UX. Mm -hmm. But at the time, it's not everyone that was at the same space uh, and uh, explore that and became a bit more expert in that, mm -hmm. merging a lot of uh, interest that I had. Which led me to uh, to take a bit of the same role, uh, a bit stronger though, on my next project, which was Assassin's Creed Odyssey, mm. uh, bigger than the previous one by uh, a lot. Uh, there was a lot of things to to tackle on that project. Tremendous project, I really love it. Yeah, um, me too. I'm happy it's, with what we did. It's one of my favorite uh, AC games. Uh, just so cool. beautiful, the setting is so beautiful, and the the everything about it, like the the way all the systems uh round together it, it was really nice yeah. a nice game i loved it well yeah we did spend a lot of love but uh, i need to be very clear also that the way we do things with ac and other franchise and not only at ub but um we have the chance to work closely also with another like 
very awesome team in Montreal in the sense that on ACs uh, in that time at least mm. uh, we were starting from Assassin's Creed Origin mm. which had a very specific mandate at the time that they had to kind of do a small a soft reboot yeah. of sorts or yeah. like to, to revolutionize a bit the franchise and they did a lot of legwork uh, mm. crazy hard work of renewing a lot of those uh, aspects so starting from their work we were able to really in some cases, even finalize what they started. Mm. In some others, really build on top of something already very, very awesome. Um, so yeah. yeah, that did help to create that game, yeah. which I think was uh, really well done uh, on a lot of sides. But yeah, I did specialize a lot more in UI and uh, solidify that role in that uh, in that project. And uh, I, I guess legitimately. Excuse me. <laughs> and I guess legitimizing a bit more the role of somebody in design specialized in interaction and you know ui and ud and everything mm. um that led me to take a, a more defined role in that in that aspect uh, for sure cool definitely and um yeah odyssey i loved it and uh so you ended up as ux director on odyssey uh i guess or how no did I... I started UX was not a role that existed everywhere at the time. Uh, we were still digging into defining it better before assigning title to people. Mm. So I took the mantle of associate presentation director at the time mm. to kind of credibilize a bit more my role and give me a bit of a, a legitimacy into um, into getting into those topics, uh, you know, with the wheel, uh, you know, mm -hmm. being at the wheel. Um, but yeah, that solidified that through the end of Odyssey, we did solidify that role. So I became UX director officially, but I was doing that a bit before, obviously. And uh, yeah, up to today, that's still old and we're still building a lot more on uh, what is UX uh, within you know the group, uh, but also with the studio to make sure that everyone's on board because it's still new. Uh, for some people, it's still a buzzword in the industry, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I still hear a lot. I mean, too much to my own liking, uh, UI, UX as a singular discipline. Mm -hmm. um, I hope you agree with me. I'm not make, uh, I don't want to make you angry. <laughs> but for me, UI and UX are not the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, UI is a part of UX, but UX is larger than UI. Yeah. You know, it's the, the, the whole player journey, player experience. We could get into another hour just talking <laughs> about that, which maybe we should when we at have some time. point. When but, we have time, we'll do yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, that was an interesting journey. And today I, I feel myself uh, having a, a lot more backing from everyone around me because uh, I work with awesome people, obviously. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and, and we, I think we met, the first time we met was at the UX Summit, right? Uh, yes, in, uh, exactly. In France. And uh, yeah, that was... So, so that's a really lovely conference where people celebrate uh, UX together uh, in games, and it was. Uh, I miss that. Yeah, I miss that we can go back to like a presential events because it's so important to network and talk yeah. to each other. Because yeah. uh, uh, soon, like it's, yeah, <laughs> soon that's me crossing my finger, yeah. everyone. Me too. Like I'll cross my fingers with you. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so uh, Odyssey UX director. And then, uh, so so I guess uh, you did post-launch on that as well. Like the the uh, there was a lot of cool DLC on that game. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah. Pretty happy about that. We uh, we were uh, able to have a very generous posture with this game. Um, you know, the fan really engaged with the game, so it was a pleasure to be able to roll out a lot of improvement, some big, some small, mm. uh, and keep the game and you know 
better and better, getting better and better over time. So I really enjoy that. It was a good experience also to to keep working on a game, you know, after it's released. Mm-hmm. Something I did not do before. So uh, it's cool listening to the community, really engage with our players better or well, not better, but after the fact is different than before, mm-hmm. right? It's not the same angle. So that was pretty cool to see that. And I do hope to be able to continue to do that on my games, uh, the games I work on more uh, mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah, it generates so much goodwill, like especially if the game is really loved. Uh, it's it's really nice to be in a live service team of a loved game. It feels really nice. Uh, yeah, and then finally, so uh, Phoenix, uh, also UX director, amazing game. Yes. Uh, and I thank you. I guess that is. Uh, until now i guess um and what i <laughs> yep. what i usually ask people in the end of, of of interviews like this like um so if you were to meet a, a young person now trying to get into the industry or the field of, of ux like what would you what advice would you give them well i think you cannot get into the industry now without any form any form of uh, mm. training formation so find something near you that allow to get you know some knowledge um also internet now has a lot of cool resources Mm -hmm. um you know that are free uh for you to learn uh things uh quite fast get familiar try to network with others around you uh, and try to find also sometimes there's professionals that are open to you know, give advice. Sometimes mm-hmm. if you see them on LinkedIn is a way, uh, Twitter is another, uh, there's some people that will be happy to, 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 to give some advices or answer some questions. Uh, always do that in a respectful ways. Mm-hmm. Obviously we're like, a lot of us are very busy for, you know, reason you might or might not know that's mm-hmm. not important. Uh, but always stay respectful. Also keep in mind that this is a small industry, even though it's very big mm-hmm. today. People know each other. You know, keep keep respect at the top of your uh, of your approach. But yeah, get some training and always try to learn different way, different things. Uh, you know, even if you think it's not important, you can learn a bit of Unity. Uh, mm-hmm. Get some skills down there and understand like how things works, because it's all about knowledge. Uh, and even if you know more, uh, not even, but if you know more than what you want to do, it makes you better in what you do because you can speak with others more efficiently mm-hmm. and learn about their job and their realities. Um, so it's really tough though, because you need to persevere. Um, there's there's a, more and more people getting competent uh, before getting engaged uh, mm-hmm. or even people that were let go, they'd look for jobs. So you need to be perseverant, mm-hmm. uh, resilient, keep hammering and keep learning, never stay stale. That's the trap. If you start to say, I'll wait until somebody bite on my hook, and I don't do anything in the meantime, you're, you're, you're going to fail. Yeah. You need to keep active, keep learning, keep developing your skills, even uh, enlarge your, your set of skills. Yeah. Uh, you heard it. Keep hammering. That's what I took away from that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time. And uh, thanks for it's doing this. And uh, hopefully soon we'll meet, you, meet each other again at UX Summit or GDC or <laughs> wherever. We'll, uh, we'll meet. That would be awesome. I look forward to this, man. Thank you. 